Hello everyone, Colin Daly here. Before we get on with our next episode of Parkour Ed featuring Emmanuel Bernet, I'd just like to comment on our last episode where we brought in some people who were performing in Sing Theater's Jean-Jacques Goldman fundraising concert, Au bout de mes rêves. That concert took place last Sunday, April 2nd. Um, Sing Theater's Jean-Jacques Goldman fundraiser concert was a huge success. It raised $46,750, and it featured 64 performers, over 700 audience members, and three shows, including two sold-out shows. It was truly a wonderful time for the Sing Theater community to come together and help raise money for Sing Theater's community outreach programs in line with their mission of performing for a better society. So a big thank you to our amazing community, including you. Um, Incredible audience members, donors, friends of Sing Theater for their support, and a huge thank you and bravo to the talented performers, musicians for an unforgettable show. Special thanks to the Alliance Francaise and Fabien Forny for his unwavering support. Uh, He is the director of the Alliance Francaise, and he uh, allowed Sing Theater to come in and use the theater for this fundraising concert. And thank you so much to Nathalie Hibet, who uh, runs Sing Theater and put this whole thing together and made it possible. It was an honor to be a part of this, along with several others from IFS, including our choir and many of our students. So congratulations to everyone. Thank you if you went to the show. And if you didn't, uh, check out all the photos and videos on Facebook and Instagram and everything else. Now, on with today's episode. Welcome to Parkour Ed. This is Colin Daly. Parkour Ed is a podcast where I sit down with members of the IFS community and find out all about what led them here. Today I have a special guest and I'm going to let him introduce himself. Hi everyone. Thank you Colin for having me today at the podcast. My name is Emmanuel Bernet and I am a French language teacher at the primary school and I do also a bunch of things about training, educational psychology and technology at the school. All right, Emmanuel, thanks for being here today. What level do you teach? I teach basically cycle two at the primary school, so it means like second and third grade. Okay, and how long have you been here at IFS? Oh, it's going to be 10 years in September because of you, man. All right, well, we're going to get to that story. (laughs) But before we start, your name is Emmanuel Bernet. Yes. What can you tell us about your name? My name is a French name. Uh, Basically, my parents are French. But I am uh, raised and born in Montreal, Quebec. So I'm a true Quebecer, but with the heart of a French. So my parents immigrated in Canada when they were... My mom, she was three years old with her parents from Bordeaux. And my dad came after the military service in France. He was in the Navy. He did the Algerian War at the end. And he went to Montreal at the age of 22. And they met at the University of Quebec in Montreal in education. So your grandparents were all French. Yes. And your parents were both French. Yes. Are, are both French. But your mom still would 
pretty much grew up in Montreal. Yes, my mom grew up in Montreal, and my grandmother on my mother's side raised me when my mom was working. So I'm a, a true Gascon, we say in, in France, <laughs> but nobody believes me when I speak French with my Quebec accent. There is a slight Quebecois accent, but not as much as when you first came to Asia, because you'd already been in Shanghai before coming. Uh, I was in Shanghai before, but my, my accent is way stronger when I am in Montreal with my friends. And also, I was used since I'm young. We used to go to France sometimes to see the family. And I was complaining to my mom that my cousin don't understand me. <laughs> and she said, well, you need to speak slowly because you don't speak the same kind of French. <laughs> so I got used to be around French people. I adjust my accent and my expression. But sometimes I like to do some pure Quebec expression. That's great. You came to us here at IFS. But before we get to that, let's start at the beginning. You, you were in the city in Montreal. You grew up right in the city or were you outside no, of town? No, uh, my parents are from the suburbs of, uh, of Montreal in a town called Saint-Hubert. I was raised there. I, I was going to the school and primary school where my mom used to teach. She teaches sixth grade oh, okay. at the primary level. So sixième is the same group of age in the French system. And then after that, I went to the Collège de Montréal, which is the first school that was built in Montreal for boys in the 1760-something. Okay, this was uh, so now it's a very when you say collège. It's a secondary school. Secondary school. Yeah, okay. secondary school by the Sulpician. It was oh. a religious group Sulpician. from France. Sulpician, yeah. Like Saint-Sulpice? Yes, that's okay. it, Les Sulpiciens. Les Sulpiciens. Les Sulpiciens, so. yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. So I was, I was raised and educated by priests. Basically. I see. You know, I went to a high school, too. I went to an all-boys Catholic military school called Cretan High School, named after Joseph Cretan. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound very well in French. It doesn't sound good, but he was French, and he ended up being a bishop in St. Paul. They named a school after him. So you grew up in Montreal, and, of course, Montreal, pretty rough weather. Right, you grew up in the cold winters and the hot summers, but you traveled to France. My, my parents, they were teachers, so they didn't have a lot of money to travel all the time. So we used during my childhood to go to Virginia, to the Chesapeake Bay, there to spend all summer in a camping place where a lot of Quebecers and French citizens will grow up, and we will play pétanque and. Uh, in the U.S. every summer, but we used to go to France sometimes. That's interesting. Yeah. So this is a, like a rendezvous for French-speaking people yeah. in the United States. Yes. So like, let's all meet at Chesapeake Bay exactly. and During play the... pétanque and drink pastis and hang out in the summertime. Yeah, with the, thunderbird, like of, the thunderbird of my dad, we, we drive with the, with the camping car behind and meet there. My parents, they met their best friend there. Oh, that's great. That's really yeah, interesting. It was fun. And so your dad was also a teacher, yeah, my dad was a teacher for children with disabilities, learning okay. disabilities, uh, more teenager, 18 years old. And my mom, she was originally trained to teach maths, but she finished in primary school. Okay. Brothers or sisters? No. Only child? Yes. So um, where did you get the idea to be a teacher? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you were talking about the cold winter, so actually I, I enjoy a lot skiing. Yeah. It was my main sport when I was a kid, except maybe hockey cousin at secondary school, but uh, skiing. So I did all the level of skiing every weekend during many seasons, and I became a ski instructor at 16 years old. Oh, wow. So that was my first entry to education. I was teaching ski to kids, to teenagers, and to adults. So I really enjoy it. 
Ski instructor. Yeah. I did not know that no. about you. For 10 no, years. I've known you for a while. Ten, around 10 seasons. 10 seasons. Yeah. And where did you work as an instructor? What's the name of the uh, ski areas that you went to up there? So I was teaching first at a mountain called Mont Shefford. It's like in the Estrie, the eastern township of Quebec, close to the U.S. And after that, I was working for a travel agency. So we will take bus every Saturday and Sunday. And we will drive to different mountains in Quebec, in New Hampshire, Vermont, Maine, to ski. And then I was doing my lesson at those places. So one place every week. All right. So that was you, great. You, you teach skiing. Yeah. And so between the ages of 16 and 26, you did this? Yeah, until 26, 27. 27. I did so, a different level of instructor. So that was during the season. Were you doing other jobs during that time too? Uh, yeah. So I was going to school. I was going to like pre-uni. It's called CEGEP in Quebec oh. in human sciences. And uh, yeah, I was teaching and I was also working in shops. So I used to work in clothing for... 20 years totally, I work in clothing, selling suits to guys and dress to women's. Really? Uh, yeah, it was fun. Uh, <laughs> then I had like rebate on my clothes, like 65% off, so it was cool. So you were selling clothes, and, yes. then, and then what happened? I mean, you were living in Montreal. Yeah. Skiing instructor. Yeah. You, now and you're I, playing the guitar cool. too, right? Yeah. Uh, so, that's, yeah, also, and I learned guitar when at the pre-uni, I started to enjoy guitar and playing Rock Voisine and, <laughs> and, and uh, Joe Dassin and Francis Cabrel. Yeah. So I really like to play the French Quebec song. And that, uh, was, and that was for good après ski, you know, after ski. Yeah, you gotta, you good. And at university, we had like a cafe where all the students, they will meet and we will play there with my friend and we'll do some, sometimes some concerts in bar, but not really often, just at amateur level. Yeah, but it's fun. Yeah. And so you're doing that and selling clothes, but... You're a teacher now, so yeah. what, what so, happened? When did, when did this happen? But How I was doing happen? all those jobs part-time. Right. It okay. was like selling clothes on Thursday, Friday night, and Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. And then during the week time, I'll do my bachelor degree in education for primary school. And then I continue to work in the clothes shop for the rebate for the clothes. <laughs> that was very, very interesting. And, and the pocket money. Then I started to work in underprivileged neighborhood in Montreal because I specialized in this type of teaching. And yeah, and then... I continue my study, my master's and the PhD after. What was your master's degree in? So my master's degree is in educational psychology. So basically my thesis was on school motivation and all the constructivist pedagogy, like project-based learning and stuff like that, approached by competencies. And were you motivated by the students that you were teaching? Were you already in the classroom teaching after your bachelor's? Yeah, I was. And so you were working with kids in underprivileged areas. Yeah, exactly. And they helped guide you into what you were interested in studying? Yeah, exactly. I was very interested to help those kids that come from poor families, poor neighborhood, to stick to school, to be motivated. So that's where I started to to practice classroom management with workstations right. and stuff like that that we did together yeah. here at the IFS. That was really interesting. I've had some great yeah. training from you. And that's and how IT. we met. That's how we yeah. met, too. So you're very well known around the school as the, the IT guy, even though you're not an IT guy. But no. you, you use technology and teaching. That's what your PhD was. Yeah, my PhD on, was right? on school motivation for underprivileged neighborhood, but with the use of IT the use of ICT to see if that has an impact on their engagement at school. So take me through this. You finished your PhD. Yeah. Right? So how old were you when you finished your PhD? Oh, I was uh, 38, I think. Okay, 38. So yeah. And you continued working in uh, 
Montreal. But I finished my PhD and at the same time I was doing a professional development of five years in bioenergetic analysis. Oh. So it's a form of psychotherapy. So I practiced psychotherapy as a psychotherapist myself for two years under supervision. Then uh, I had a bad breakup, hard breakup, and a postpartum, I think, of finishing the PhD and being so busy. So I decided to quit everything and apply somewhere in the world. I just wanted to get away. And, and I got two jobs in Shanghai, one at the Alliance Française and one at the French School as an educational advisor to replace the... AEFE guy that was there and was leaving. I see, yeah. I see. So you came in as a, uh, a contrat local. Yeah, contrat local, yeah. you're not part of the uh, no, I'm not Education Nationale. No. You have a different yes. uh, qualification. But still, you qualify as what they call an agrégé with your PhD, right? I mean, you have well, I guess so. Right? It's more, PhD is more like permanent head damage. <laughs> so... <laughs> So I don't know. I think I got, <laughs> I got crazy over the year. <laughs> I started to work at the French school in Shanghai as an educational advisor four days a week. And I was working at the same time at the Alliance Française to help them to better teach French for Chinese that wanted to immigrate in Quebec. Oh, okay. Because they had a big, big clientele for that purpose. And their program was really not adapted because the French is not exactly the same. Right. So they needed to learn proper f French from Quebec and also cultural aspect of living in Quebec. So I was teaching advanced Chinese learner in French. Canada is very open to people coming from other countries, especially if they're French speakers. Yes, especially uh, in Quebec. Now, I want to go backwards a little bit yeah. because you mentioned psychotherapy. Yeah. And I didn't know this uh, you for didn't some know that. reason. You, uh. you probably told me a long time ago and I, I forgot. So tell me more about the working with supervision, working as a psychotherapist. Therapist. What was that like? And how did you get into that. Was that related to your studies? Uh, actually, yes, because during my bachelor degree, I had some classes about the impact of teacher character on kids' motivation and engagement, like how the, the teacher behaves and how the story and the affective dynamic of the teacher impact how kids perceive the class and everything by a teacher who was a psychotherapist, Edith Fournier. And then and after that, I got very interested. I wanted to study psychology when I finished my, my secondary school, but I decided I was not good enough to finish with a master's and a PhD. So I went to education to have a, to have a proper job and work. And then after that, and the master's degree, when I started, I wanted to do my thesis with her, but she was sick and she left. So I finished in school motivation, but I continued to be interested into that. And then they opened the program. So it's a post-university program made by the International Faculty of Bioenergetic Analysis that was founded by Alexander Lowen in New York. And then I did the five years training while I was doing my PhD and teaching at the same time. And Wow, you so, must have been busy. Yeah, I was very busy. That's why also <laughs> it, it was tough, the postpartum after. But yeah, so after the pre-clinical year of studying, there was some two years of clinical. Then I was under supervision. So I did have a few clients uh, in therapy. And I was really trying to focus on teachers that needed to work on themselves because they, it was tough maybe in the classroom. And I helped also some kids that struggle in the classroom, like with the THD and, right. and yeah. So it was, it was interesting, but then I didn't finish the full certification to be accredited because I left to Shanghai. Right. But it's in my goal to maybe finish it one day and 
for retirement, do return to that business because I really like it. I think people are more and more aware of the need for that type of thing and, yeah. and it's more accepted. Even our school offers funds for teachers who seek counseling or guidance with a therapist. In the past, it's something that was such a taboo subject, nobody would admit to it or, or even you know, ask for reimbursement from the school. But you know, the, the reality is that teachers, like everybody else, have a certain yes, amount of exactly. stress that they have to learn how to hmm. manage. Yeah, I didn't know that you'd worked as a therapist, though. That's really, yeah. really interesting. Well, under supervision. I was filming my session, and we will look into that with my supervisor nearly every time. So it was very helpful for me also to grow up as a teacher. And I still use these things I learned in the classroom to help kids be grounded in the present moment and breathe and take some stop, feel, go. And that's why I bring in the school some project like Promob. Promob, yeah. Promob and Je suis bien à l'école is all things that are very interested in into right. as I, a teacher. I, I couldn't help but notice the link to mindfulness yes. and meditation practices that are very useful. And for me, I find them useful and for students as well. I really appreciated that. Plus, I remember when I first met you, using the strategies of teaching with workstations and using technology. How was it that you came to Singapore? Because I know you were in Shanghai. I was in Shanghai. And you were working at the Alliance Française, mm. and you are also you know, helping them, and you were working at the school. And then you gave a training session. Yes. But you were seeking to move from Shanghai to someplace else? Yes. While I was in Shanghai, I was doing a lot of training in the region. I was impulsed by the inspector to go and train primary school and sometimes secondary school all over the Asia-Pacific zone of AFE. And then I was asked by François Herry, that was our principal at that time, to right. come here to give a three days training. So that's where I met you with David uh, yeah, Guignard. Yeah. And uh, after that, my contract in, in Shanghai finished. It was a two years contract just to start like some IT class based on workstation management. So I was about to go back to Montreal to my classroom in Canada. And then you talk with David to François Zéry and say, why you don't hire this guy? Because uh, well, he's uh, something like that. And then François called me and say, are you interested to have a job here and everything? Then I say, why? I say, you apply and you go through the normal process. Yeah. And, I, and, and they chose me. So it happens very, very well, fast. Yeah. I think at the time, the school was growing and the school was yes, hiring. Yes. And of course, we just had a training session with yes. you that we really enjoyed. But there was always this, you know, where are we going to find quality people who can, who can bring certain aspects? Françoise was into technology. And yeah, and she was professional an development also. Professional development. And just over conversation, we mentioned it. But that was a far cry from, I mean, we didn't have any pull other than to say, well, why don't you send this guy a note? And, yeah. and so you did it all. I mean, you fit the bill. So that was great. Hey, and you've been here ever really since. Good. But you have a, quite a big role here, it seems, at the school. School. When you first arrived mm. here 10 years ago, yes. you were teaching CO2. Yes. CO2 with your wife. CO2 with Marie. Okay. Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> she was my partner. All right. I didn't remember that. Really. Yes. So For in the two years. In the bilingual? No. No. Classic. Oh, in a classic. Okay, yes, so you were in the bilingual. I was in the bilingual. So the she was in classic, and you were both teaching in French. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah, and then after that, the headmaster decided to give me some time to develop IT at the school with pedagogy and training. That's why also Francois was very interested to develop this skill that I have here at the school and push for professional development. So I started the center that was called the Clay. Here right. Now it's called IFS Academy, but I started this in 2016 and offered a bunch of training in different topics for all the staff here at the school 
because before we used to register with paper on the wall. And so I bring a bit of Evan Bright and it worked very, very well, this center. So I got more and more involved into professional development. And now it's something that as a researcher, I also looking into the impact of professional development of teacher, uh, good quality professional development on school motivation for kids, on well-being of teachers, and on the transfer into their practice so that everybody is more happy in their work at school, kids and teacher. Now, you work in the classroom, French, half-time, and then the rest of the time, do you have an office? I stay in my classroom. You stay in your classroom? Yes. Okay, so there's... That's my office. The students aren't there? No. I have a class for me. I'm very lucky. I used to have an office because before I was teaching uh, like a full-time professor and sharing the class with somebody else, but since now I'm teaching more reading and oral skills for... French speakers that struggle a bit with the language, then I have all the rest of the time. Nobody's in my class. Okay. Yeah. And so I know that you were very involved in the organization. Currently, we're redoing the projet d'école. Yeah, the school project. So that involves getting feedback from everybody, from parents, from students, from teachers, from administrators, from community leaders. Mm. Can you talk a little bit about how you organized the communication? How much did you have to do with all of that? It seems that you had a A lot lot to do with that. (laughs) A lot, yeah. With with the principal, the headmaster, Mr. Binot, that was a very good guide into this, we decided to implicate as much as we could the community to tell us what they think about the school, secondary school student, teacher, other staff, parents. So we plan some survey and some focus group to help people talk and say their thoughts about the school and so that we can take out from that some points of progress to put in the new school project that we'll have for the next five years. So now, with Mr. Binan, we are finishing to write everything, and we will start it soon, I guess. Well, I have to say, from my point of view, having gone through this process a few times after 16 years of being here, there's always been an effort to try to include people, but communication is challenging, and Mm. people scheduling things and getting the word out is hard. But this year, more than ever, I felt like everyone had an opportunity to contribute their thoughts and ideas and that they weren't ignored. I mean, that's always the worry that we meet and we we think about things and we talk about things and then we turn in our work and then what we did was ignored. Everybody's afraid that they're going to do all this work and it's going to be ignored, but I haven't felt that way. But because uh, it was very important for me and for our principal to make sure that people were heard and when they will look at the new project and they will be implicated in the living of that new project, they really realize that oh, there is something of themselves, of their opinion that is in this. And I went through like big analysis with software that I use in research to find if there was differences between opinion of different group of people. And we had a nice professional development day about this, that you wrote a lot of things, so what you think should be in the next school project. So I have analyzed this very seriously because everybody participated so greatly that day. It was very, very challenging for me to organize all those workshops, but I hope people are going to be satisfied with that. When we did have those workshops, you got quite the workout. You looked like you had run a marathon. Yeah, I think I did 18,000 steps in the Building G. (laughs) So professionally, you were very involved in what's going on around here, but what about your personal life? Now, you arrived here. 
in Singapore 10 years ago. Yes, single. I remember you sharing a lot of guitar music with me. And yes, and, and I was dancing a salsa things, a lot. Dancing salsa. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so what happened after that? After that, actually, I was not sure if I will go back to Canada one day, so, but then here the position started to be very interesting for me and I really enjoyed working with the people here. And then I decided to quit the Ministry of Education of Quebec. So is the Ministry of Education of Quebec similar to France in, in the sense that you owe them a certain amount of years? No, you're, you're... no, no, because you are hired by the school boards of the town or the region. Okay. So, so as wh- soon... were you on a leave of absence? Or... Yes, I was in a leave of absence, but they started to tell me to come back. It's not like the French system where you can go for 10 years or forever, depending on the situation. It was one or two or three years, but that's it. And then you have to come back. And then at some point, they asked me to come back or to quit. And then I decided to quit. And actually, it's very funny how life is made. Is As soon as I decided, okay, I'll live in Singapore for quite some time, then I met my wife. So uh, in my mind, I was not settled then. <laughs> yeah, I met my wonderful wife, Audrey. And yeah, and we have a son now. He's five years old, Alexi. And he's going to start his year at the French school in September. Really? Yes. Oh, that's great. Yes. It's great. Now, is he starting in... Kindergarten, kindergarten five kindergarten, years old. five years old. Oh, that'll be lovely. Yes, be able to so play. that we can have holidays together and he can learn his French, his English, and I hope his Mandarin. Yeah. 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 It's going to be hard to keep the Quebecois accent, though. If you're uh, yeah. French here, you're going to have to give him extra lessons. <laughs> no, but he's, he's, he's very good in the three languages now. He's like really good in Chinese with his mom and French with me. And That's great. With some Quebec expression and English, but it's so easy for him. That's great. And growing up in Montreal, it's a bilingual city. Right, but is everybody bilingual? Absolutely not. So I mean, you, but, you speak English well, but did you always speak English well, or did uh, abso- you have to learn English? Abso- absolutely not. Right. I was very, very bad in English in secondary school. I was failing all the time, the class, the year, really? all the time. And then my parents they took a sabbatical year to go travel. They were teachers, so they could have this possibility. Right. And then they went to Europe, and they say, "Okay, you're so bad in English." <laughs> They put me in an Anglo-word school. At that time, it was a big organization in England. And then I went to Oxford first. And then I moved to Bournemouth in the south. And then I stayed there for six months doing only English. So this was in secondary school? Yeah, I was 15 to 16 years so, old. So that was like second, the equivalent of like yeah, 10th grade? And secondary, yeah, uh, I think it's after my secondary three. Okay, so they pulled you out and they went to England for a year, basic immersion. Yeah, yes, right? and they put me in a British family and then they oh, went really? travel and they just left me in a British family that was associated <laughs> with the school. And then, okay, you pick up your English. And actually, it really helped because when I got back in secondary four, all my peers, they were in secondary five because I m- missed a year. I, oh, didn't, so you, I didn't do any maths or any... Oh, so you just, just, you just took a English. pause. You pressed pause. Yes, and then, and then okay. full, full course of English... Every day for six months. I see. With other students from all around the world. And I was their baby because they were all like 18 and 21 and everything. So we used to go out to the bar, drink beers and play poker. <laughs> and I had to hide that a bit from the family I was staying. Well, it was fun. But my English really picked up after that. I like expatriation from that moment on. So I wanted after that to go to Japan to teach English. But then I got a proposition of a full-time job as a teacher just after my bachelor so I decided to take that and here I am you would have told me like 12 years ago I will live in Asia I will marry a Singaporean Chinese and have a kid and I'll say you're crazy man 
That's what this podcast is all about, having people tell us they're pas cool, which is never what they expected to be. You've done well. What's next? What's the future hold? Well, I applied for my PR in Singapore, oh, permanent okay. residence, so I hope this is going to go through. I'm waiting for an answer. And then after that, I will be very interested to go teach at university here, maybe like give a class at bachelor or master degree at nighttime. I would like that and prepare retirement because I'm 50, so I start to think of that. And my son needs to do his national service in Singapore, so I'm here for quite some time. So maybe to go back to psychotherapy and consulting for different schools in Singapore and all over Asia. I really like to do that. So I'm trying to work more on my research profile to be able to go to the university eventually. It's possible, but the school year is great. The work is great. So it's difficult to leave something that is fantastic Yes, because yes. you don't know what you're going to get. We are very lucky to be part of this school, yes. I, I feel. Oh, it's yeah, yeah. Given, us totally. so, given us so much. Well, is there anything that I've forgotten to no, I mention? Think we have, covered have we covered everything? Some. Yes. Well, Emmanuel Bernet, thank you so much for sitting down with me. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. I always enjoy talking to you. <laughs> thank you, I've Colin. always enjoyed talking to you, but it never ceases to amaze me how much I learn about people I even know by doing this with them. So, again, thank you. And it's and what I like about your podcast because I've listened to some of your work, and it's crazy. Me too, some colleagues that you have interviewed. I discovered even Benjamin is one of my best friends in Singapore. And I was like, what? <laughs> so it's really, really interesting to do this. And yeah. thank you, Colin, for doing this effort for the school because it brings people together yeah. and recognize their effort and their, the things good they did in life and the difficulty they struggled to, to be here yeah. as a person, as a human. Yeah, so we've got some great people. That's here. really good. So thank you for having me today. Well, thank you. Well, with that, I'll say bye now. Bye. This has been Parkour Ed with Colin Daly. If you like today's podcast, uh, why not leave a review on Apple Podcast or on Spotify? It would really help other people to find the show. Or you could just share it with a friend. If you have any questions or if you would like to be a guest on Parkour Ed, please contact me at colindaly at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you soon. Thank you.